Hello and welcome back to the Awe Podcast. All right, episode number five, Belonging and Work. Belonging and Work. Yes, our guest is fantastic. And so we want to talk about our lives at work because we do spend a large amount of our time yeah, I think so. on we, the job. We pretty the much made sure we said our lives at work, not we live at work. <laughs> We know something's out of balance when that's that's the that's the case when it feels like all we do is live at work. Hopefully, we're in a place where we're working towards or in a space that um, we believe in and we're passionate about what it is that we're doing. And so, ultimately, our lives at work, when we're there, we should feel supported and and welcome, and that we are able to do what it is that we're trained to do, what we're passionate about, and really to align with whatever the organization's mission happens to be. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember um, feeling like I live at work when I was working construction, actually, <laughs> um, and I and I did love it, but it was hard work, and in some days it did feel like you lived there because it was long hours sometimes, and. You'd get home and you'd just go to bed and you'd wake up and go to work and boy, it would be just miserable almost, Yeah. right? And that's how I knew I wanted to do something different. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because yeah, when we're talking about the majority of our week ultimately being right spent at work, waking up, preparing, driving, right? And then after you complete the shift, right? driving back home, right? If you have to stop at the store, all those things, right? Kind of revolve around that day. And so ultimately it's really important for that part of your life that you spend at work to be positive, something that you enjoy and that you can get up and continue to do every day. You know, there's generally this idea of leaving our personal stuff at the door when you come to work, but we really know that that's impossible, I dare to say, right? Because ultimately, part of who we are also, again, fulfills its purpose and, and is the catalyst and all those types of things. And so it's really hard to separate our identity from our professional self. Yeah. And if we've learned anything about the great resignation, it's it's been that we need to give we need to give a crap about our employees and we need to treat them as humans. Right. They yeah. bring their whole selves to work. And sometimes that means there's baggage involved. Right. Um, and some of the baggage is positive. Some of it's a lot of struggles, right? And and how do we meet that person where they're at um, and provide an equitable workspace for them? I can think about, for me, separating my identity and my professional self. There are some pieces that I just simply cannot separate. For instance, again, I'm biracial. We've talked about it. So, um, you know, you can see my skin color. It is one of my master statuses. It's mm -hmm. something that it's the first thing you see about me. I can't change it. I cannot leave that at the door. <laughs> it right. is coming with me no matter what. Right. And, you know. Um, microaggressions, which is um, a term that some people may know or may not, but it, it's an area in which, you know, individuals there um, may feel that there's small um, slights or insults. Yeah. And so ever gotten a paper cut, right? Yes. And there's this line called, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts, right? And that's just so many little, little things that have happened. Um, that collectively are huge, right? And they yeah. lead to things like racial battle fatigue and not feeling included and just isolated. Yeah, and and I can think of um, instances in which I've actually experienced this. And, and sometimes 
um, even as the person on the receiving end of this, I may not have been aware that that was what happened. And the individual who may have been in the interaction with me may not have known even that that was what they um, had projected. And so, but for me, right, again, with my racial status and that being very apparent, um, you know, I've been in instances where people have said things where it's like, well, this individual is more approachable or um, this individual is not intimidating. And there's almost an implication there that maybe so then I would I would not be approachable or I may be intimidating. And so that's an example of a microaggression. Um, Because as we know, there is a stereotype, of course, that black women are aggressive. um, And and it's something that I can speak to that I really fight, especially within my professional um, journey on a daily basis. And so I've become aware of that. I've I've actually become a little bit more hyper aware to that as of late. And And so things like those ERGs, those employee resource groups, again, being that equitable piece, would give me a space in which I could go in and talk to individuals who may have experienced something like that and allow me to process that. Um, Because, again, um, in the moment of of those things being said, it does, it hurts my feelings, and it almost changes the trajectory then of how I perform my work for the rest of the day. Right. We can carry that through the rest of our day. And Whereas, you know, as a white counterpart, I can, um, I would receive a different message, right? I'm advocating. I'm not being aggressive. I'm just advocating, right? Right. And so when we hear messages like that, yeah, it it, it cuts and kind of deep, right? And and we call them microaggressions, but they're, they're things that build up and break down over time, right? Yes. Right. And yeah. And and to like you said, a thousand paper cuts. And so if an individual is experiencing these several times a day and we're knowing, right, we're going into this environment all week long. Right. Yeah. That that really starts to um, build up. And how then are we able to be productive and effective at work? Or, you know, is this is there creating some tension in, in certain um, relationship dynamics, right? And again, having those ERGs in place would allow for a place to talk about that um, and then hopefully even get some momentum in terms of what they can provide organizationally um, so that everybody can learn from this experience on, on all sides of these interactions. Right, right. I often think of how many things, how much trauma sometimes we can experience coming, you know, just before getting to work um, that we don't think about maybe is a burden. So when we're burdened already and there's something else put on top of it, it can crush us, right? So one microaggression can crush it. So when I get up out out of bed in the morning, I get up out of bed, I take a shower, I get my kids ready, and I come to work. not thinking about so many of the things that I think Lashana thinks about when she gets out of bed. Yeah. What are yeah. those things for you? Oh my gosh. Well, I actually start my process of preparing for work the day before, the evening before, <laughs> and um, it really goes into my appearance. And I've talked about this in season one quite a bit, like how I present myself, in, especially within the professional realm, but it does. It, it it starts the evening before in terms of, okay, what do I have coming up tomorrow? Um, what kind of individuals are going to be in those spaces? Because I really want to be palatable, if you will. I want them to be able to accept me. I need to speak their language. I have to navigate this way. And then once the alarm goes off, yes, that whole process starts, right? 
um, as I'm walking in to get ready to shower. Okay, what am I going to say today that's going to um, allow others to feel like we can have an open conversation because I don't want to shut people down immediately, right? Because I realize I'm coming in as a black woman. Um, and I come in as a black woman who's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm coming in as a black woman who's talking about things that are related to social work and race and sexual orientation and all these things that are kind of taboo anyway. Mm -hmm. And I present this way with the skin. And so I really have to be conscious of how I prepare for that because I don't want to be seen as aggressive. Um, I want the chance to actually be able to prove myself as a professional, right? I, I, I went to a um, school and I and I've received these trainings and I've worked and I have this experience I have lived experience as well right that really um, is why I believe that I belong in this field and so right. all of that leading up to it just to be in that space is sometimes confusing frustrating mm -hmm. um, and and exhausting yeah and yeah you know, I can stand in my, we have the same exact degree, we have the same exact licensure, and side by side, you know, obviously LaShawn and I get along really great. We do. But I can have a license, a master's level degree and a license, and I can stand in that, right? Mm -hmm. And my competence rarely gets challenged, you know, they just go to me for advice, right? And sometimes we've seen it where, I'm the one that's asked, and Lashana's not, right? Mm -hmm. Microaggression. Mm -hmm. It comes back to that whole idea of um, who's approachable and who's not. Yeah, who's right? intimidating and who's not, and why. Absolutely. Like you said, we have the same exact um, licensure and training. Um, we work together quite often. Right. And, and so, yeah. And it's not to downplay anything that Josh brings to the table, because Josh is an amazing and brilliant within his field he is fantastic um but i dare say i am too <laughs> absolutely and that's that's exactly right i think and if that intimidates it, incredibly, you ask yourself why <laughs> incredibly yeah. brilliant right and you know our guest gets to talking about dei initiatives and and how so often it's it's about the food which which i'd love to celebrate that right absolutely i, I, I love, love food. it i love it but it has to go deeper than that and, and our guest talks about that and, you know, even in our phase of, of discussions lately, it's been, what are we doing, right? How mm -hmm. are we going to empower people to do the work? Yeah. So what is the work? We're going to be talking to our guests real soon here. And we're just excited you're listening to the Awe Podcast and love you all. Yes. Thank you for holding space for us. listening to the Awe Podcast, and with us here today, we have Dr. Annie Freed, who is a psychologist um, in the helping field for many different years and has been, been in many different capacities. She spent a large amount of her career in leadership and studying the meaning of belonging at work. She has worked against the current. She has created new currents, and she does this all by building others up. 
I am one of those people. She does this through her top character, Strength of Love, with her dedication to making work a home where people she supervises can thrive. So welcome, Annie. Welcome to Awe, Annie. Thanks for joining us. Wow. Thank you so much. I feel like I just need to go home and go back to bed because that's the intro ever. <laughs> right, right. We try to make people right? blush at least. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I listen to your podcast every single time you have a new one come out. And I think that you guys are just spreading amazing information. So thank you both for what you're doing. Thank you. So today we're talking about belonging and work. Could you kind of talk to us about sometimes when you've struggled against this current and other times when the current was going with you? So I consider myself a pretty relational leader. So to me, that means it's all about how do I get to know you and the how do I get to know the people I supervise and the people I don't supervise and what's the culture like and how do people interact with each other and um, just building from where I am. And so, yeah, there's always times when you feel like you don't belong or you don't fit in. And I'm... Um, an outgoing introvert. (laughs) I'm introverted by nature. And so it's not uh, easy for me to walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, tell me who you are and your life story. And let's be friends and stuff like that. It kind of eased into it. Uh Um, So I recently, um, I had left an organization that I felt like I had this really strong belonging. Um, I was working in Illinois and I got an opportunity. Um, I was promoted to a position in Iowa. That's how I met Josh. And it was great and it was super exciting. But I went from this community of folks who there were four of us who were getting to all supervised by the same person and we were getting together on a weekly basis and, you know, just kind of sharing our difficulties and our wins and everything. And when I moved to Iowa, I was in a brand new town with people I didn't know. And my husband was too. We had left our hometown that we had grown up in. And so it was starting all over. And then it was not just starting a new job, but it was also in the midst of a merger where the company I was coming from was taking over this new company. And so I was really viewed at the, as this outsider and what is she going to do and what is she going to bring and what does all this mean for us? And so, yeah, it's all about how do you figure out how to build trust when people really feel right from the get-go, we don't know what it means when you're here very much against the current and and bringing in new policies and all these kind of fun things that sometimes you got to be the bad guy and sometimes yeah. you were the good guy and yeah yeah yep yeah yeah and you described yourself as a relational leader so how do you create new currents or flows in workplace culture yeah you know i love that question um So Josh said a little something about my um, character strength. So my number one character strength is love. And my number two is love of learning. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest ways that I do that is uh, encourage people to learn together. So, you know, I think about the last three jobs, last four jobs I've had. So two jobs ago, um, we did a whole, we did the Dare to Lead um, 
workbook and had the Dare to Lead facilitators from Brene Brown come in and, and kind awesome. of walk us through that. Um, and then on a smaller um, a smaller scope, just with the folks I supervise, we read um, Abby Wambach's book, uh, Wolfpack, together, oh, which yes. is all about just encouraging that team and in particular women, how do we encourage each other and have each other's back versus kind of being more competitive, which sometimes we can do. Um, and so when through the course of that, we're reading together and we're learning together, but then we start to share our own personal stories. And that is where I think the magic lies in just allowing myself to be vulnerable. And then that creates space where others feel, okay, maybe I can trust this group with my information too. And just, I think there's so much power in learning together. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So essentially then through that, you're creating a space for these individuals to be their authentic selves. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because I think we're guarded at work, you know, I mean, cause we just never know what to expect. And there's always some sort of power differential, whether you want to call it that or not. I mean, it's, it's true and it mm -hmm. exists. And so let's just be honest and open about it. If I'm your supervisor, we're going to have certain boundaries with each other. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, yeah, if I'm not showing up and living in my values and integrity, then I'm not being a wholehearted person. I'm not being an authentic person. And people see right through that. I mean, who wants to work for somebody who you feel like you can't trust because you don't know if they're going to be honest. I mean, one of the things that we're going through here, because there's always culture change at work. Yep, <laughs> yep. It's kind of my thing. I don't know if it just follows me or I find it somehow. But we're, we're talking about, you know, how do you just have a difficult conversation with somebody? How do you say, hey, you kind of gave me a weird look right there. Are you upset with me? Are you mad at me? And maybe it's a... No, I got something in my tooth or <laughs> or right. maybe it's, yeah, you really hurt my feelings. But we have a group of folks who have really been struggling with each other lately. And the the gal who supervises that team and I got together and we talked with them. And afterwards, I, I said to her, no offense to them, but I don't think they have the skill. And it is a skillful thing to be able to walk up to somebody and say, hey, are we okay? It is. It's really yeah. hard. It is. It is. I remember a time uh, you and I was new to a role and, and it was five o'clock and of course it was always busy in the inpatient world and Andy gives me a call and she's like, Josh, I need you to come down here right now. And I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> okay, um, before you leave, right? And so I get down there and she sets me down and I'm like, oh, okay. And she says, you're just so talented. I want to tell you that. And here's where I see a vision for you, right? And here's how I want you to get there, right? And of course, um, it was a totally different avenue than I was expecting. But then as we, as she became my supervisor, 
you know, she was able to use her Tom character strength of love to kind of have these conversations. Um, some of them difficult, some of them involved, you know, how do we get people motivated to take trash out and things like that. But, <laughs> you know, right? But yeah. it was all through this, this lens of love. So talk to us about how you do this in challenging times and how you do this in winning times, times when you're winning. It's just at my core. Mm-hmm. to to love on people. And I'm not always the best at loving on myself, and, but I'm getting better at that. You know, yeah. therapy helps. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Who knew? Yeah. Degrees and a doctorate in psychology to figure out that, yeah, maybe I should use this too. <laughs> yeah. How, how dare we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was just for me a reminder about who I am and getting back to those values. And I call myself, my values are love and wholeheartedness and, and integrity and creativity. And uh, you, you guys can see me the podcasters won't be able to, but I've got a whole behind me, a whole wall of like embroidery stuff. That was my COVID and, and taking care of myself. Project. <laughs> um, but it's just all about starting with ourselves, getting to a good place, taking care of ourselves. And then it's a whole lot easier for me to say, hey, I'm worried about you. And here's kind of what I've been going through. Are you going through that too? And how do we how do we make it work better? Right, right. And that is a great way to lead me right into this question. Um, you talked about, again, that relational piece and, and being vulnerable and having support and letting you know other individuals knowing that you're there to support them. And so, Employee resource groups have been shown to increase the sense of belonging, exactly what you've been describing and how you try to build that. So why do you think that there is such resistance to ERGs in some organizations? I think that what gets in the way is that everybody has this land of good intention, (laughs) as my supervisor calls it, whereas they think that, oh, if we just have this group, everything will magically align and get better. And it takes work to make it work well and to make it um, do what it's supposed to do. So in my last organization and at my current one, um, I'm leading our DEI committee. And I got asked to do it and I thought, I don't, I'm not educated enough to lead a DEI group. (laughs) So me being me and love of learning being one of my strengths, I dug in. Right. And so I'm just like, Sponging up absolutely everything I can um, <clears throat> that has anything and everything to do with people that don't look like me or don't have the education that I have and stuff like that. And really stepping into my privilege and what does that mean and how does it affect who I am and how I come across. And our organization here, they've had their DEI committee for about for just over a year now, and they're a fantastic group of people. And they've done a couple of great initiatives, like they have a mentoring program that they're wanting to get up and off the ground. But a lot of their focus has been on the fun stuff. So, you know, tacos on Cinco de Mayo and (sighs) coloring pages for, you know, mental health awareness week and stuff like that. And those are fun, but it's not the heart of the matter in a DEI effort, right? Like we really want to figure out 
what are microaggressions and are they happening and how do we deal with those because they are happening whether we want to call them out and recognize them or not and so we're our committee is stepping back and we're doing a whole organizational assessment that is going to give us step by step these are the things we really want to focus on over the next year everything from just a diversity statement to looking at our mission vision and values and are they really aligned with everything that we want to say so that, that not just say but everything that we want to be in our DEI efforts and so mm-hmm. I think what gets in the way of really helping ERGs be successful is just we have really big-hearted people and they have great intentions and they want to do fun things that's not really what's going to move us to create the change that is necessary. Yeah. 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 And I think some of the things you mentioned, um, would you say that, because again, the the point of ERG is to offer that support, right, to these um, various individuals Mm -hmm. with various identities. And some of the things you mentioned, would you say that those activities are, um, would they be seen as supportive for those individuals? I I don't think so. I think they fall so short because, I mean, it's great that we say, oh, it's Pride Month and everybody decorate your door. And, you know, we have a different bracelet or a ribbon that we can wear and stuff like that. But if we're not, if we're, if we don't have human resource policies that are saying that fair and pay are equitable or that our practices are equitable or that, you know, we're making sure that people feel comfortable using the pronouns that they want to use, then we're missing the point in a terrible way. Yeah, yeah. You got to do the hard work, too. And, and boy, that's yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Going below yeah. the surface is a struggle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's. And I think, again, that's kind of where the love comes in. You know, I think if you just, the way I say it is, Hey, this is this is great that you guys have done some really fun things and you and you brought some attention to some different cultures and backgrounds that we haven't maybe before. But let's dig in. Let's let's do the hard work because that's going to give us the meaning and purpose that we're really aiming for. Right, right. What is our data saying? What does it really mean? And and how can we use yeah. that to grow together? Yeah, yeah. Join us next week as we discuss belonging and identity. And stay authentic, well, and empowered.